Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights podcast, where we talk about interesting work in natural language processing. This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Our guest today is Vlad Nikolai. Vlad is a PhD candidate in computer science at Cornell, advised by Claire Cardi. He is also a scientific Python developer, maintainer of the PolyLearn library for factorization machines and polynomial networks in Python, and sometimes contributes to the scikit-learn machine learning library. Today, we will be talking about some of his recent work on neural attention. Vlad, welcome to the podcast. Uh, hi, Walid. Thanks for having me. So the title of the NIPS 2017 paper we're discussing today is a regularized framework for sparse and structured neural attention. Most models with an attention mechanism uses softmax to compute a probability distribution over the inputs. Uh, so what are the limitations uh, of softmax which you're trying to address in this paper? Exactly. So softmax is the most commonly used mapping in attention, not just in attention, right? It's very commonly used when you want to generate a, a, a discrete uh, probability distribution over some items, like, like words, which is basically what we do in attention. And yeah, we noticed that this is one of the crucial points where people like to interpret neural networks, because unlike most hidden layers, the outputs of, of these attention uh, mechanisms are interpretable, because we know what the dimensions mean. They are the weights that you put on the words in your input. So it became very common for people to show attention plots in papers. And basically looking at these plots, you can see that there are tendencies, you know, there seems to be like uh, clusters of words that get similar weights, but it's not quite there because, as you said, softmax has some limitations from this point of view. In particular, it's dense. It gives some probability to every word. And basically, in the general case, all scores will be different after a softmax transform. These were basically the motivations that, uh, uh, that drove us to to look for how we could we could change these properties. So just to be clear, you're saying that softmax gives away a little bit of the probability mass to each input, and that's undesirable. Is that a fair assessment? It could be. It could be undesirable sometimes for interpretability and you know for some applications we we might not want to consider every possible words as having some contribution to some some computation, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some people consider this to be uh, like a feature, not a bug in softmax, in the sense that we don't want to be completely confident in our prediction uh, because we know that at least at the beginning of the learning, we're not that accurate. Yeah, I completely agree. It's also so. So basically, the whole reason why we use softmax and is is that we cannot and we don't want to use just a plain old argmax that would peak on the most confident word and and put like zero probability everywhere else. This uh, so, first of all, like this is a, a, a flat discontinuous mapping that you can just plug into a neural architecture, but also it doesn't deal with any uncertainty, right? Like the second or the third most important word might still play an important part in in your learning, so you don't want to ignore it. So indeed, what we would like is some sort of middle ground between these. And actually, in terms of sparsity, this middle ground was uh, already studied in. Uh, the SparseMax paper by um, Andre Martins and colleagues previous to our work. And they, they introduced a sparse mapping that, uh, that works basically like as a drop-in replacement for SoftMax. And it still has uncertainty in that it doesn't peak on a single 
highest scoring word, except if that word is like very unambiguous, prominent. You mentioned Sparsmax. Could you say a little bit more about it so that audience is familiar? So Sparsmax is a mapping that works just like Softmax. So it takes a vector of scores and it produces a probability distribution over the items, such as words. And it tends to produce sparse distributions. So it, unlike softmax, it assigns exactly zero weight to a lot of the words. And, and your work is generalizing sparsemax. My understanding is that the general framework coming up with, we can see sparsemax as a special case of, as well as softmax. Exactly. So uh, we were motivated by the work on sparsemax. And, and basically in the sparsemax paper, the transform that, uh, that is given, which is the projection on the simplex, is just given in a way uh, out of thin air. So we were wondering whether, they, whether sparsemax and softmax are actually products of some sort of family that can be generalized further, right? Whether like, there's a family of transformations that take in scores and produce probability mappings, and whether this family can be parameterized somehow, like for example, by by a regularizer or a penalty or some sort of function that can incorporate desirable priors or properties onto the output probability distribution. Great. So how, what is the framework or the operator that you define as the main proposal in this paper? So what we propose, which we call a regularized max operator, um, is basically based on the intuition that both softmax and sparsemax, what they really do is they they try to approximate this continuous peaking, you know, one versus zero argmax operator. And the way they do this is, so we observe that you can recover these two operator, operators by taking the conjugate of max and regularizing its, uh, regularizing the conjugate, right? So with uh, negative entropy regularization, what you get is softmax. And with uh, L2 regularization, you get sparsemax. What are the properties that you would get with each of these different regularizers? So the entropy regularizer, because basically, so it has a value of a negative infinity, I think, on the edge of the simplex. So it prevents the solutions for, from being exactly sparse. It acts like a barrier. So this is why softmax has the properties that it, uh, that it does. This is why it's always dense. Uh, on the other hand, sparse max, because because it's the L2 penalty, it leads itself to a natural rewriting of the optimization problem as just a Euclidean projection onto the simplex. And this projection is likely to be sparse because it's likely to hit the edge of the simplex or a corner. But we can also incorporate other penalties, and this is what we did in our work. So we can, we can use so the existing literature and algorithms for uh, structured sparsity and structured sparse penalties, in particular things like fused lasso to derive uh, what we call fused max, which is uh, an attention mechanism that likes to fuse together the weights of consecutive words so that after applying the transform, they get exactly the same score. And do you, do you need to specify which of these should be considered as input or is this part of the optimization? So with fused max, you do not need to specify the groups. The groups are automatically selected in an unsupervised fashion, which is pretty cool. But there are other kinds of structured sparse penalties that we didn't look into in this work, in particular group lasso, which allows the user to specify 
groups that are known a priori and to say, for instance, it would make a lot of sense if you select one of these words, please select all of these words together. Uh, so these are other kinds of uh, penalties that could be simply dropped into our framework in order to get an attention mechanism with this kind of property. Yeah, and both make sense in different situations. I think it's great to have a framework where you can actually plug in, uh, plug different organizers. Any idea how can we uh, reason about the complexity of actually computing the forward and backward when we're plugging in a new a new regularizer? That's a great question. And indeed, it depends. So in the general case, the forward pass is an optimization problem. It's a constrained optimization problem. Uh, it could be solved with things like uh, FISTAO or other like projected, uh, projected gradient methods. But you know, this, these are iterative methods that you don't always want to compute inside of like a layer in, in your neural net. For specific cases like Fusemax, uh, we found that it can be computed very efficiently. I think n log n is what the, what we have, and that's because there there is a property that shows that. So we, we we were able to prove that you can compute the optimal value of the fused max transform by computing the optimal value of the fused lasso proximity operator, and then projecting the uh, result onto the simplex. And both of these are algorithms that have been previously studied independently. And basically, all we had to do is just, after we prove this, we can just, you know, call the two functions from existing libraries. So that's not very expensive, right? You're just like increasing the cost from n to n, uh, to n log n. I think that's fine for the forward pass. So what about the backward pass for computing the Jacobian? In general, it might require uh, inverting a small matrix, like solving a small system, depending on the sparsity of the solution. So. So that's one nice thing about uh, sparsity is that it speeds up the backward pass as well. But for FuseMax and also for OscarMax, which we studied in our paper, uh, the backward pass can be computed uh, pretty fast because of the structure of the solutions themselves. So for FuseMax, because the groups are always continuous, like adjacent to each other, uh, it's enough to, to do a single linear pass over the output to compute the backward, uh, the backward pass given the solution. Of course, in the general case, these might require you know, some further study for, on a case-by-case basis. But these structures usually translate themselves into nice, uh, nice algorithms as well. Interesting. So uh, practically speaking, when you actually run experiments, how much uh, faster or slower is it to, say, replace softmax with uh, your framework? So in the experiments that uh, we report in this paper, so one of them is... Uh, ran entirely on the CPU, and we found uh, we observed exactly the same, uh, like no visible change in the time taken by running these things on the on the on the CPU. On the GPU, there is a little bit of a cost incurred because you want to run the bulk of the network on your GPU, right? But you cannot. Uh, so some of these operations are not GPU friendly because they involve uh, you know optimization problems. Or you know, like just the just the algorithms written in in Cyton or C that are hard to translate to to a GPU. So what we do is in PyTorch you can just copy the you know the inputs or outputs to the CPU, perform your CPU bound uh, operations, and then copy them back. Uh, and if we do this and like uh, properly batch everything before and after, the bottleneck is actually <coughs> sorry is actually not. Uh, 
not all that overwhelming. And of course, it depends on the neural architecture. But with OpenNMPy, which we use here, which is a, a great piece of software, basically the the LSTMs are the bottleneck and not the attention computation. So what were it? We, I think we were like uh, only like 25% slower or something, something like that. Like basically the same order of magnitude as, uh, as just staying on the GPU and using softmax. Got it. Nice. So uh, could you tell us more about the experiments that you ran uh, and how you evaluated the performance? Sure. So we performed experiments on machine translation, on sentence summarization, and on uh, uh, natural language inference on the SNLI data set. So for SNLI, we followed the methodology from uh, the SparseMax paper. And actually, we just modified their codes to add FuseMax and OscarMax on, on top, you know, in the same neural network. For machine translation and sentence summarization, in both cases, we used OpenNMP, which uh, Open an empty pie, which makes it super easy to prototype and to uh, to run like sequence to sequence models for all of these tasks. So basically, we we kept it very simple, and we just wanted to uh, to show that using FuseMax and the uh, OscarMax is easy and is just a drop-in replacement without having to re-optimize or retune uh, a lot of like parameters or learning rates. We just used all of the default options in all cases and. Uh, and the performance was uh, comparable, in, and in, uh, for sentence summarization, it, it it was a little better. And I guess the important part here is that you get more interpretable results. So even though the results, the empirical results, did not improve, you you're able to see the output more clearly. Exactly. So so in some cases, you you can even get like if the structural prior that we are using makes a lot of sense for a particular problem, I guess you may see performance improvements. I think this is the explanation for the sentence summarization results. I think uh, it makes sense there to select a longer chunk of the input sentence in order to produce a single output word, because we're trying to produce a shorter output for a longer input. But indeed, in all cases, for all tasks, we get superior interpretability. We get nicely clustered sparse attention plots, as uh, as you can uh, you can find. Uh, we we included a bunch of them in our supplementary material as well. So it's not uh, you know it's not a fluke because in all cases we solve these optimization problems uh, exactly. So we solved use Max and Oscar Max with exact algorithms, not iterative ones. So we get exact like true sparsity and true clustering, like the, the neighboring values are exactly numerically the same. So I think this is, uh, this is helpful uh, for practitioners to, to see like what exactly gets selected and with what, with what weights. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's, it's easier to visualize. Absolutely. All right. Are there any other uh, thoughts you have on this work uh, that you'd like to mention or follow up work maybe? Yeah, so I have two things I'd like to mention. First of all, one thing that we got really excited when we were doing this work. So I come from an NLP background and uh, Mathieu, he has a very strong background in convex optimization. So like, we're not really neural network people, but it was really cool to find a way in which all of the body of work on convex optimization comes into play uh, in a useful way as a building block inside all of these non-convex methods uh, that we use these days. Uh, we were both excited about this to see the kind of contributions you could make using uh, using this uh, literature. And in terms of uh, follow-up work, I would like to mention that uh, 
We have some new stuff now on extending these ideas to sparse structured inference in the sense of like graphical models, because here you need to pick uh, your regularization from, you know, like you need to have like known algorithms for like fuse lasso and things like this. But in NLP, a lot of people are more familiar with inference in the sense of like designing factor graphs and things like this. So we're looking into using that and we have some, uh, some follow-up work recently out on this. Awesome. I'll be looking forward to read the papers. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks a lot for having me. It was great.